0: All right, let's lift our hands. Okay, Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence here. Lord, I thank you for who you are. Father, I do ask once again that you would anoint me with the spirit of truth, that you would help us, Lord, to uh, not have to be on the same page with everything, but, Lord, not spread rejection and hate at the same time. And so, Father, may we dialogue these things in love. May we strongly disagree but maintain a higher value of loving one another in the process, and help me to do that as well. And Lord, I pray this morning that you will anoint my lips, that anything that I say that is eternal, that it will have tremendous impact. And whatever I say that may cause someone to stumble, Lord, please let it just fall away and be forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Okay, I'm excited to get into this this morning. Let's start in Colossians uh, and we can start recording, yeah. Okay, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. And I appreciate you guys, and part of the reason I'm sharing that stuff is because you all are a part of that as well. You all are a part of that as well. And I want you to know that, amen? Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Look at the scriptures, all right? Just look at the scriptures. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you to fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So he's going to tell you what the stewardship of the mystery is and why he's a minister. He says, the mystery, look at this, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. He didn't say it's something that came into being a short time ago. He's saying, I am preaching to you something that has always been, but has been hidden in a mystery. And now is being revealed to his saints. If he, let me say this again, he's talking about something that was always there, but was hidden for generations. But now, through the through his ministry and through what he's preaching and what he's doing, it's being revealed. Not coming into existence. To whom? God will to make known. What did God will to make known? What did God will to make known? What are the riches, watch this, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Messiah or Christ in you, the hope of glory? So what does He want you to know about? Come on, saints, it's right here in the Bible. What does He want you to know about? And what is it? There are riches, the riches, the wealth, the, the 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 fortune of Christ in you, who is the hope of glory. Then he goes on and says, "Him we preach, warning every man, admonishing every man, etc." Going on, that we may present every man perfect, which means fully mature in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's saying my entire ministry is devoted to you, to get you to quit looking outside yourself for something you already have inside yourself. And the riches of this mystery that has been hidden, that has been there and has been hidden, look at the Scripture. Wrestle with the Scripture. (laughs) If you're going to idolize the Bible, idolize the Bible and look at it. (laughs) He's saying the mystery that's been hidden but now revealed is Christ in you. Among the Gentiles. Among the people who weren't believers. Among the people who did not know God. Among the people who... (laughs) The riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He didn't say, ask Jesus to come into your heart. There's not a single verse that says, ask Jesus to come into your heart. It's it's not. Oh, what about Revelation 3.20? What about Revelation 3.20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Because you've heard evangelists use that for years. Oh, no, no, no. The evangelist said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah, he did. He's writing to Christians. To the church at Laodicea. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And you assume it's the door of your heart. Because the heart's not even mentioned anywhere in the passage. (laughs) All right. Old MacDonald Christianity. Here a verse, there a verse, everywhere a verse, verse. (laughs) You with me? If the sinner's prayer got you saved, don't you think it would be important enough that that God would have outlined it somewhere in the scripture? But where is it? You can't find it there. But what you can find is Paul saying, I'm preaching a truth. I want you to quit looking outside yourself. And I want you to look within yourself. And when you look within yourself, you're going to find the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is the secret and the mystery that's always been, but it's been hidden. Come with me to Ephesians. I want to get past this today, but I just, I can feel it in the atmosphere. I know it's radical. I know it's different. Look at the scripture before you, before you come to me and say, but what about now, honest questions? I get it. It's okay to come with what about, but if you're being contentious, if you're going to come contentious before you say, what about this? Answer my question first. What about this? (laughs) Deal with those verses first, and then we can contend on all the other stuff. Because to me it's as plain as the nose on my face. And to others as well that are, that are receiving it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says it again. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable riches. He's not just going around saying, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and He was raised from the dead. And if you pray this prayer, you'll be saved. Nowhere in there does He say that was His ministry to the Gentiles. It's not in there. All right. In fact... Okay, To me who is less than least of all the saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, not make some, make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith to him. Therefore I ask you to not lose heart at my tribulations. Now look at verse 14. For this reason, what's he saying? Because I've been given the knowledge of the unsearchable riches of Christ. Because that's what I'm preaching, and that's what I'm about. And it's the mystery, he says it again, that's been hidden for ages and generations, but now is being manifested. Right? For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in your inner man. Why? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, (laughs) being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and all your checklists and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Right now. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church now and through all generations. Why him, Christ who is dwelling in your heart. In other words, Paul keeps saying over and over and over and over again, if you want to find the unsearchable riches of Christ, don't look at a historical event. Look within and find the Christ that is within you. If you want to find God... If you want to be filled with the fullness of God, something's got to happen in your inner person. Something's got to happen and you've got to realize, you've got to open up the treasure chest of your heart and realize there's been a pearl of great price there all the time. You've got to realize there's been a treasure hidden in your field all the time. And when you look in your heart, not in your head, not at your checklist, not at your doctrinal statement, not at your group consensus, not at your own works and your own righteousness, Not at any of that, but when you open up your heart and you finally discover that Christ has been in there all the time and that the fullness of the kingdom is inside of you, Jesus Himself said, listen to this, I taught for years that the kingdom didn't show up until the resurrection of Christ. And that if a person was going to enter into the kingdom, they had to believe in the historical event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because eyewitnesses saw Him. And the man himself in Luke chapter 17. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not getting this from some channeled new age, higher, master, ascended master or something. I'm getting this from the scriptures. The man himself says in Luke chapter 17. The Pharisees came to Him and said, When will the kingdom come? Now my dispensational teaching was that the kingdom couldn't show up till Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead. And then people could be changed into new creations. They're asking Him before the cross, When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus makes this statement. The kingdom does not come with external observation. The kingdom is within you. (laughs) The whole thing is Him trying to get to you to see who you are and what's inside of you. The whole thing is, is that you don't know what's inside you because it's hidden. The whole thing is you don't know who you are. Because the church told you you were born in sin. Because they misunderstood and mistranslated what Paul said in Romans chapter 5. When he said in Adam all, uh, all uh, uh, that Adam's sin you know affected everybody. We looked at it in the first service. Right, But then he goes on and says, what Christ did also affected everybody. But they don't read it that way. They say, no, what Adam did affected everybody, what Christ did affected some, and you completely twist, distort, and violate absolutely what, what, what Paul's saying, and then try to throw up Paul and say, well, what about what Paul said? Go read it. So because St. Augustine in the 4th century could not read Greek, And had a crummy translation of the Latin. And it said, in Adam all have sinned. That's how it read. It's not what it says. Then he decided, everybody's born in sin. Then John Calvin comes along and says, everybody's totally corrupt. So then somewhere somebody else comes along and says you need to be a new creation. And so we think the entire human race is just corrupt and full of sin and rotten to the core. When John says in John chapter 1 that Christ is the light that gives light to every person coming into the world. It's in the book. If He gives light to every person that comes into the world, who are you to say that that person has no light? Who am I to say that that person has no light? And the whole thing Jesus is trying to get you to do, and the whole thing Paul is getting, trying to get you to do, is see that what's in Him is in you. The works that I do, you can do also. You know, John also said, as He is, in First John, as He is, so are we. Paul's saying, don't look at the Messiah outside, look at the Messiah inside. You want to see it again? Second Corinthians 13? 2 Corinthians 13, verse 3. Since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak towards you, but mighty in you, for though he was crucified in weakness, see what he says, you're seeking proof that Christ is speaking to you because he's in me. Why would they even ask the question if Paul wasn't pointing to the fact of Christ in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. His point, the point he's making is not that he lives off in heaven someplace. He lives in you. He lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Now look at verse five. Examine yourselves. As to whether you are in the faith, what's he saying? Look at yourself. Examine yourself. He's actually picking up on a Greek saying that was over the temple at Delphi. Oh my god, Paul was quoting. You realize in the Bible Paul quotes people that worshiped other gods? He absolutely does. That said, know thyself. When they would enter the temple at Delphi, there was a sign over it that said, know thyself. And that's exactly what Paul's saying here. Examine yourself. Get to know yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you fail the test. Meaning, if you look within long enough, you're going to find Jesus Christ. You're going to find out this reality that it's not as much about the historical person of Christ and what He did. It's about the reality that He has been imprinted and indwelling. He is the the divine spark. He is the light of God. He is the the breath of God that was put into Adam. He's the image of God that's inside every person. He's the light, that, that at the core of every person is the light and the revelation and the testimony of God because Christ is inside of every person. The problem is they don't know it and so he's telling the believers there if you examine yourself you'll discover that the Jesus Christ that I'm preaching is not a Jesus Christ that's out there it's a Jesus Christ that's in you and you don't have to be able to travel back in time to verify it and you don't have to study and and come up with all kinds of apologetics to try, try to prove this stuff is true you don't have to take the witness of people you never met that said he raised from the dead because he's living the proof that Jesus Christ is alive is if you go inside and you examine yourself you're going to find him unless you get the answers wrong so are you looking for the light inside yourself or the darkness? you looking for the light in other people or are you looking for the darkness in other people? you looking for the light that's in the world or are you looking for the darkness that's in the world? which kind of person do you want to be? I want to be the kind of person that looks for the light. Yes. 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 All right. So here's, let me, uh, again, I wanted to be practical this morning. Let's, let's just look at this. Oh, i got to get into this. But just to be practical, Christ dwells in your heart, and that's our problem. We want Him to dwell in our minds. We want to be able to figure Him out. We want to have checklists to give us security. We want to hold to that group consensus that we think is so important, but we don't want to have individual experiences. And the whole thing is about the light of Christ is in you, Christ is in you, Jesus Christ is in you, the riches and the wealth of who He is is in you. He's always been there. (laughs) And you need to see it and wake up to the reality of it so that you can experience it. And if you can experience it for yourself, then you can objectively verify it and nobody can talk you out of it. (laughs) So you gotta live by your heart, not your head. And we don't know how to do that. And that's one of the reasons meditation can be so helpful. Because when you silence your mind and you go into your heart, you find things. You find the treasures of Christ in you. You don't have to look outside yourself. To Him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. Not according to the power that works in heaven. Not according to the power that works in history. Not according to the power that's in a book. According to the power that is being released by the Spirit in your inner person so that when you discover the love of God in Christ in your heart and Christ is dwelling in your heart by faith, now you have plugged in to that which created and brought forth all of existence. Therefore, all things are possible for you. Not because you're following a formula, but because you've discovered that the Messiah, the Savior, the Deliverer, the Healer, the Redeemer is not somebody outside of you that you have to try to talk into doing something for you. The fullness of who He is is inside you. John 15, watch this. Alright, I'm going to mess with your Sunday school. But just stay with the text. Ask yourself, am I trying to twist the text? Am I trying to make it say something it doesn't say? Or am I just illuminating some things that we don't hear preached? That's been there all along. John 15 verse 1, Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. I am, everybody say with me, I I am. Jesus says, I am. I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out of his branch and he is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask for the will of God to be done. No, I'm sorry. That's not what it says. Sorry. Something else is coming into focus here. I didn't know it said that. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. And it will be done for you by my Father. Now, we've been conditioned. Now, imagine yourself for a minute as a disciple hearing this for the first time. I know it's hard to do. Follow the order of the syntax of what Jesus says. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts off. And every branch that's bearing fruit, he prunes that it will bear more fruit. Right? Then he goes on and talks to the disciples about them being the branches that abide, that abide in him and being cut off, whatever. But what we do is we take what Jesus says later. Watch this very carefully. We take what Jesus says later about I'm the vine and you're the branches. And we lay it over the top of what he said when he said I'm the true vine. Or we put it ahead of it in syntax. So that when we read his first statement, I am the true vine, every branch, everybody say it with me, in me that bears not fruit, or that bears fruit, he prunes. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lops it off. Without realizing that Jesus is actually first using himself, as he always does in his teaching, using himself as the example. And then what he said about himself, he applies to his disciples. Here's what I mean by that. One of the most interesting things, and this is where our translations are unfortunate for us. One of the most interesting things about the Gospel of John is some of Jesus' I am statements. How many of you are familiar with that? He says, I am the bread of life, I am the bread of whatever, right? You know what's interesting about it? What's interesting about it is it makes no sense in the Greek. Here's what I mean. The word, the general word I am, that gets translated I am, is used some 600 times or something in the New Testament. I'm sorry, I don't have the num- I meant to get the exact numbers, but hundreds of times. Only 48 times is it used in this unique Greek construction. 24 of those times are in the Gospel of John, so half of them are in John's Gospel. In the Greek, if you are going to say I am, it is a one Greek word, easy to remember. It's, the Greek word is I me. I me. <laughs> that means I am. So if you're going to say I'm going to go to the store, you would say I me, and then however you would say going to the store. Got it? But Jesus does not say I me here. He he says there's a word that precedes it in the Greek, which is the word ego. So he says ego I me. The word ego means the I. So literally what he's saying is, I, I am. He's putting two I's in there. I, I am, or some translate it, I am, I am. He might be talking about the higher self and the lower self. I don't know. It's possible. (laughs) The two I's. But it's the word that God uses for Himself that when you look at the Greek translation of Exodus, when He says, I am, then I am. He says, ego, I me. Let me give you an example. John chapter 8. This fits perfectly with what Paul was saying. John chapter 8, verse 48. Then the Jews answered and said to Him, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan? There's that Samaritan thing? We talked about it before we started recording. Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I guess I'm in good company. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory, there is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall not see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You are greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and your prophets, who are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus goes on and says, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. Don't you love how Jesus talks to people? (laughs) But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not fifty years old, and you have been with Abraham? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was... Ego, I, me. I am. The mystery that's been hidden from ages and generations that is now being made manifested and being revealed through the preaching of the gospel is that the I am me is in you too. But it's in your heart. So what, what is a vine? So watch what Jesus does in John 15, back to John 15. What's in a vine? What does a vine do? A vine just expands and spreads and just grows like crazy, right? Takes over everything. Takes over everything, right? So Jesus says that I am presence, that I am the divine spark, the part of deity that was in his humanity. I, ego, I, me, is the true vine. In other words, Jesus the teacher, Jesus the man, Jesus the historical person who wants to leave a lasting impression on His disciples on the night that He is betrayed, after He's done the Lord's Supper, He's walking with His disciples, He's he's telling them what He wants to leave with them, and He says, listen, He'd already told them at the end of John 14, if you believe in Me, the works that I do, you shall do also. He already said, I am the example, and then the next thing He says is, the I, I am me. The I am presence that's in me and that's in every human being because we are made in the image of the I am. Is the true vine. Now watch what he says. And my father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me, Jesus is actually saying this life is so expansive that there are branches, there are, there have been things in my own life. Oh my God, I can hear him in Arkansas now. You've taken away my Lord. I don't know where you've laid him. <laughs> there were things inside, there were branches inside of Jesus that grew places they weren't supposed to go and dried up and didn't bear fruit. Cause he says every branch in me That does not bear fruit. The Father cuts off. Every branch that's in me. That is bearing fruit. The Father prunes and purges. Because this I am. When when, when the the divine presence. Of Christ in you. Begins to expand. And you let go of your mind. And you say I'm going to quit trying to figure everything out. And I'm going to quit trying to. Cross all my. Wait, you don't cross I's and dot T's. Cross. Cross all my T's and dot all my I's. And I'm going to let this expansive life grow. When it blends with the, the, the two I's, see Jesus, he's telling you there's an ego there too. There's the I am, but there's also the ego. And when the I am begins to expand and ex- express itself through the historical, through through your identity, through who you are as a human being, when divinity expresses itself in your humanity, it can it, it just grows and things grow where they're not supposed to and things aren't as fruitful as they're supposed to be. And life gets really messy. Because I'm no longer living from my head, I'm living from my heart. What's it mean to live from your heart? You ever watch a child? He says, when this happens, there's branches that dry. There's things that move too far from the vine. And when they move too far from the vine, they dry up, And they're not bearing fruit anymore. There's some branches over here that aren't fruitful. And the same process that I've gone through with my father is the same process that you'll go through. And every... Personality, the mask that you wear identity that you carry person that you are in a certain context that does not bear fruit gets cut off and put in the fire he's not talking about hell he's not talking about individual people because they were never you, you see we're messed up in the way we interpret the bible it drives me crazy People will say, well, see those branches that didn't abide in Jesus, they burn in hell. Well, they had to be in the true vine then. So don't get mad at me for saying that they were already plugged into him before they knew about it. Because you say they're going to invite Jesus into their heart in order to not go to hell. Listen, Jesus Jesus was a human being. I mean, I hate to tell you, this guy that you worship every Sunday, passed gas. (laughs) Went through puberty. And we all know what a 16-year-old boy going through puberty is like. He was a human being. Which means he had branches that didn't bear fruit. And some branches that were more fruitful than others. But here's the key. He said, "My f- oh, if we could get this. My Father is the vine dresser. He didn't say, I take care of myself. See, religion demands that you get yourself all sorted out. That you believe the right things. That you say the right things. That you do the right things. And frankly, saints, you can do all of that in your head. You can apply formulas. You can go to scripture and find scripture that promises you what you believe. I can do that intellectually. Now... Say said scripture over and 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 over over about yourself and call it a positive confession. Okay, I can do that in my head. If you say it enough times, it'll get into your heart. And When your heart starts to believe it, then it'll come to pass. I can do that if I have enough time. But I can do it from my head. You don't have to get anything in your heart. It's already there. The whole issue is you got to get what's already in your heart out here. And you can't do that with your mind. Which is why it doesn't work most of the time. And you say, yeah, but I remember times that it did work and I want to say to you, a dead clock is right twice a day and a blind squirrel finds a nut and there are such things as coincidences. so here's the hardest part for us giving up on sorting yourself out and allowing the father to do it as you go through life and trusting that he'll take care of you and living looking for the I am presence Connecting with your own eternal divinity. And allowing that light to shine. Jesus, see, the things Jesus said about himself, he also said about you. I am the light of the world. Then he turns around and says, you are the light of the world. The things that I can do, you can do also. The I, the ego, I am me, is a process that's true in me. And it's true in you because it's the mystery that has been hidden for ages and for generations. But now someone's finally been able to fully manifest it so we could see what it looked like in human form and become the forerunner for us who could pave the way and redeem us and save us and reconcile all things in heaven and on earth. But it's not like we think. It's in order to open up the treasure chest of who He is inside you. It's not to get you intellectually convinced of historical facts so that you don't burn in hell but you go to heaven forever. It's so that the expansive presence of who Christ is and the unsearchable eternal realities of that can somehow release the very life of God into every aspect of your personality flowing from your heart, living from your heart and not from your head. Let me ask you this question. What breeds trust? Because it comes down to trust. As a believer, can I tell you, the box that Christianity put me in, the Christian, the version of it that I heard, not the one I'm talking to you about today. Let's, how much trust, these three abide, faith, hope, and love. But now, see, Paul said, I know in part, and I prophesy in part, and I see in a glass darkly. But now these three things abide, faith, hope, and love, right? So build your life on those qualities. Faith is trust, is it not? Let me ask you a question. Here's what I was taught. I was born rotten to the core because I was born in sin and I needed to have my nature changed. And even after my nature changes, I still have this sin nature called the flesh that I'm dragging around with me. And my heart is deceitful and wicked above all things and who can know it? So can I trust myself? Can I trust myself? If I'm rotten to the core and my nature is against God, how can I even trust myself to know that I have the facts right about God to get saved in the first place? So I start out not trusting myself. And the world is full of wickedness and evil. Is it not? so I can't trust my environment. Don't empty your... I mean, you've got to believe in a wicked world if you think meditation gives you a demon. If you really believe, if you empty your mind, which is not what meditation is anyway, a full answer is a matter before he hears it. But if you really believe that, if it was possible, I'm going to empty my mind, well, dang, a demon's going to come in. you got to believe they're just floating around everywhere, like... in, like a plague of mosquitoes right they're just out there so the devil's out there he's going to get you so the, the, the world is, is not a safe place and the spiritual world is not a safe place because there's only three people you can trust oh we'll admit the spirit world is populated but there's only three people you can trust father son and holy spirit well what about angels don't talk to angels Because somewhere Paul said that Satan himself transforms himself as an angel of light and you start talking to angels, you don't know if you're talking to a real angel or you're talking to one in disguise. At least if you're Catholic, you have a rich heritage in the spiritual world of angels and saints that you can pray to. I just lost somebody right there. He said we're supposed to pray to angels and saints. I'm just saying, so that, but, it, but we know it's full of demons. Because there's principalities and powers and rulers of the spiritual darkness of the world and anything you do, you get a demon. We'll hand out bags. We'll have deliverance services and hand out bags, right? And, so you can't trust the spiritual world. You can't trust the angels. Three people you can trust. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can't trust the natural world. You can't trust other people because they're rotten to the core just like you are. And can we trust God? Because I was given all kinds of formulas, and sometimes they worked, and sometimes they didn't. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. I'll never forget going to a funeral. Word of Faith Church, going to a funeral. This couple had just lost their three-year-old child. And they start out the funeral because Jesus bore our griefs. We're not allowed to have any grief. And they started out the funeral with, you've turned my morning into dancing, three days after the girl passed away. And they're dancing around like this, you've turned my morning into dancing. And I kid you not, the, the, the confession police, The director of that particular group, the regional overseer, came down. I'm sure to offer support, but partly his presence was there to make sure that we toe the line with our beliefs. That is, God always heals and faith always works. And the pastor's message wasn't one that brought comfort. The pastor's message was up there defending defending happened right here in this city word of faith church defending the group think cuz it's always god's will to heal and if you do it, and so and so where does that leave the parents well they must have messed up so can you imagine that going to your child's funeral and basically being told you messed it up cuz you didn't have enough faith and i'll never forget the dad stood up there bless his heart the dad stood up there and said well i still believe what i believe and I thought, I didn't come to a funeral, I came to a frickin' Halloween party. Because everybody's dressed up in costumes and masks, and we think this is God. So you can't trust God. And he might you might burn to a crispy crisp critter anyway. Maybe you didn't say the sinner's prayer right. Maybe you got baptized in the wrong church. Maybe you didn't believe in your heart. Maybe you only believed in your head that God raised Jesus from the dead. Maybe Paul possibly believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Why would he have to say that? Because that's where you find him. He says, what about Romans 10, 9 and 10? If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Why would you believe in your heart? Because Paul's been telling them the whole time, the resurrection happened in you. By the time he gets to Romans 10, he's already said, when Christ died, you died. When Christ raised, you were raised. What was true of Him, is true also of you. So if you believe in the resurrection in your heart, because it's in your heart, it's not an observation of a verification of a historical event that only 500 people saw. It is a living reality of the resurrected Christ living in you. And when your heart grasps that, then the power of of life and the power of salvation and the power of the kingdom comes to your life and nobody can talk you out of it because you don't have to believe something you can't see you believe something you know you have that you've experienced for yourself so here's my question so where are we? We can't trust ourselves because we're born in sin. Or even if we're made new, we still have this flesh that we're carrying around. We don't know if the desires of our heart come from God. We don't know if the thoughts in our head are God. You try to teach people how to hear from God. Well, is it God? Is it me or is it the devil? My God. Can't trust the world that you live in. You're not sure you could trust God how do you live life? How do you embrace life? How do you live? Actually, I would contend that the world is blessed. I would contend that the world is a safe place. I would contend that if only one-third of the angels fell, (laughs) that there are at least two-thirds, that the the invisible world is populated with way more uh, uh, benevolent beings than malevolent beings. I would contend that you can trust the depths of your heart, because you are not born in sin. You are born with the light of Christ that gives light to every person who comes into the world. I would argue that the Father is the vine dresser, and so you can engage life without having to try to figure it all out. You can go through this process, and you can be messy, and you can be messed up, and you can have anxiety, and you can have anger, and you can have arguments with your spouse, and you can mess up with your kids, and mess up your kids, and all that stuff's going to happen. And I would also contend that the person who has it more together, and looks better on the outside, has no life of the vine on the inside, because Jesus himself said, you clean the outside of the dish you're a whitewashed tomb he says look you look good on the outside you believe everything, you practice everything, you do it all right everything looks good on the outside but when I went on the inside there's no life and you know how I know there's no life because there's no mess. Because the moment you plug into the true vine, it tries to take over everything, man. It just makes a mess of everything in your life. You think you're doing good, all of a sudden you're depressed, all of a sudden you're afraid, all of a sudden you're acting ways you didn't know you should be acting. You're acting out why? Because the power of the Ah ego, I, me, the power of the I am presence, of the expanding life of the kingdom is pouring into every, and it's branching out, and it's expanding, and it's growing, and it's pushing, and it's climbing. And what's the end result? Mess. Yeah. And you have to trust in the process, oh, that vine went over there where it wasn't supposed to go. It's not the church lady's job to come correct you. And I'm speaking church lady because I was born in the 80s and I watched that stupid thing with Dana Carvey. I'm not singling anybody out. You know the Dana Carvey thing, the church lady? That's Satan. You remember that? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not thinking of you. I'm thinking of him, her, him, her. A branch goes out there too far and dries up. The Father will cut it out. Because see, here's the problem. We, we we start going inside, trying to find everything. If I can find everything that's wrong with me and fix it, I'll be okay. And that's the ego trying to fix the ego without the I-me. All you got to do is plug into the I-me and let the Father... Put yourself in the Father's care. Now you can trust life. Now you can embrace life. Now you don't have to be suspicious of anybody and everybody. Now you can look for the light in people instead of the darkness. Now you can have your beliefs challenged because you realize there's a presence in you that before Abraham, you were. If God can say to you, I know I'm preaching long today, but if God can say to Jeremiah, before I formed you in my mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. (laughs) And if Paul can say of you that you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that you might receive the adoption as sons, then in this very same way that Jesus could say, before Abraham was, ego, i me. Before Abraham was, I am. There is a part of you that has always existed. There is a part of you that's always been known by God. And it's that self that the gospel is meant to plug you into. And when you get plugged into that self, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father through ego, through behavioral modification, through right beliefs, They only come to the Father when they plug into that part of themselves that came from the Father in the first place. But Jesus, show us, Father, do you not know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you? That is the whole Christian ethic that whatever you do to others, you do to yourself. All right, let's stand up. I'm sorry if I took away your Lord, and you can get out your. But can you feel? I mean, am I the only one that feels the life and the power and the presence and the anointing on this? I mean, man, it's exciting. It's in you. you. It's it's all in you already we just got to figure out how to live from that place. And so if you take nothing home today, please trust that your Father is the vine dresser. <laughs> and any branch in you that's not bearing fruit, He'll pluck it off. And guess what? Even the fruitful ones, that's how, that's how you know it's messy. So even when you're doing good, He doesn't leave you alone. <laughs> we can get a little more life out of that. Why? Because that life's expanding. It's growing. It's pushing out. Light expands you're expansive you see it lord thank you for your people father i I just pray a blessing over them this morning thank you that we can chill with ourselves and with one another and help us to do that especially those of us lord that were raised in hyper religion and spent so much time trying to fix ourselves and make sure we're doing it right and believing right and all that other stuff Please help us to just chill out with one another, with ourselves, with life, with you, people that don't look like us or act like us or think like us. Father, let the revelation of Christ in you expand and grow in our hearts. I bless you. My beloved brothers and sisters, I bless you. Come on, you can feel that love when you go in your heart. You can feel that love. You can feel that support. You are not rotten to the core. Life is not against you. And certainly, God is not against you. No matter what. So trim our branches, Father, and prune our branches.